0: All right, my next guest tonight really needs no introduction. Uh, we used to do the pre- and the post-game on KNBR in 2010 when the Giants won the World Series for their first time. I always love hearing his voice. And he's coming to FanFest on February 4th, I just heard. So I'm super excited to see Marty Louie. I haven't seen him in a long time. Marty, what's going
1: on, man? Thanks for joining the show. Well, I love being on with you. You know, I'm down here in Arizona. And uh, as soon as the weather gets a little better, which it has, you can hear the bat hit the ball. You actually can hear it. You get the feeling that spring training is right around the corner. And last week I uh, Bill Lasky and I uh, visited him at the fa- at the uh, fantasy camp in uh, Papago Park and saw Sean Jelly and I don't know, it felt like baseball was happening again. It felt good.
0: Oh man, I can't wait. You know, there's been a lot of frustration with Giants fans about what happened in the off season and I understand. It just kind of the way it went down, it was all weird. I talked about it last night. But the Giants like basically offered $700 million to a couple of guys, and it just didn't work out. They did sign some really good players. And when you talk about like the frustration for Giants fans, Marty, I feel like once they hear Dwayne and Mike and John and Dave on the air and, and, and then the crack of the bat in baseball and it's spring training and baseball's right around the corner, everyone's going to be excited about this team. There's been some great additions, but it, it's Giants baseball. We love it. We can't wait for baseball, and we can't wait for the start of the season.
1: Well, you said it perfectly, and uh, my advice is get over it. Uh, The the offseason is the offseason, and coming up is the mosaic. It is a completely blank page. We don't know where it's going to go. Who knows uh, what the team is going to do, what the pitching staff will do, who's going to get hurt, who's going to break through, what's going to happen with the Dodgers and the Padres and everything else. We live for the soap opera. And we live for it every day, and we can't wait for the next game. And you're absolutely right. I said it last winter too, with the strike and everything that went on. Everyone was so negative, and COVID was uh, was still around, and everything else. And I said, well, just wait, wait, wait until the games start. And you know, by October, you couldn't even remember that there was a strike over the winter. So I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we wait for the season. We wait for the story. Let's see what happens with the players who are here. The winter is past. Uh, You cannot let the past dictate what you do in the future, and you have to let the future unfold, and that's what baseball is all about. So I'm looking forward to it. I think spring training is going to be great. I'm just looking at the first show I'm going to be doing at the end of February, and we've got stuff going on in Scottsdale already. Eh, It's back. It's here. It is. I mean, as, as
0: soon as the calendar flips and, and it's the new year, the, the holidays are over with, you start to look, you start to, you start to lean into it, as Mike Kruko said on the morning show a couple of weeks ago when I was filling in, you start to lean into the season and we're, we're starting to lean into it right now. Marty, you taught me this in 2010. I used to use it on the air back east. I was talking a lot about it last night about 49er fans and how it's just been an incredible ride. And in a lot of times, as sports fans, we worry so much about the destination that we forget about the journey. Mm. And the journey, to me, is the greatest part of it. Like whatever happens at the end, happens at the end. Only one team goes home happy every year. But kind of touch on that. They used to talk about it a lot in 2010, like enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey, enjoy. You know, for Niners fans, it's been a wonderful season. Maybe we're too worried about the Super Bowl and if they win or not. And I've been talking about it a lot tonight already. What is what is your idea? of a successful season as a sports fan. And I've been listening to people calling in the show and giving me their take. So I guess talk about the journey, talk about the the ride and enjoying the ride. And then, like, what is your idea of a successful season for the San Francisco Giants this year?
1: Sure. Let's start with the 49ers. Uh, Football is different because it's only 17 games, and uh, the playoffs are the big deal. The playoffs are what happens. It's once a week. It builds up that tension, so th- that's what football is, and it's over September into January, and basically that's it. Baseball is a different game. It's a different game. It's played every day. We've got, as Brandon Crawford once told me, you know, including spring training, we've got 200 games ahead, 200 games every day, and it's going to start in February with spring training, and it's going to right through October and perhaps November. But what baseball is, it's an everyday event, and every day is different. And you always say, I see something different at the park every day. Well, it's true, and that's what baseball's all about. It's not a once-a-week event, and football's got the quarterback and the big stars and everything else, uh, but baseball builds on the tension of the team and the pennant race and going to the game every day or listening to the game to see what's going to happen. So... When you go for six months and you wait every day to hear Mike and Dwayne and John and Dave and you can't wait for the next day for your friends to be on the air and you're going to the game together, that's what baseball is all about, and that's the journey. So as I say, the winter is the winter, and now who knows what Sean Manai is going to do? Who knows how good Logan Webb is going to be? Who knows what's going to happen with Hanniger? These are all stories that are play out over six months, and that's what it's all about. So different than football, and it's, it's a, the most unique sport because it plays every day. And after 162, the best teams end up in the playoffs, and then it's a three-week deal where anything can happen. But what I love is the story, the trades, uh, the players being brought up, the injuries, the breakthroughs, the rookies the manager's being fired, uh, the new <laughs> pitching coach, uh, whatever's going on. That's what I love about baseball, and that's that's what I can't wait for. And as you said, and quoting Mike, uh, when you're down here, you can feel it. You can feel it. You just drive by all the spring training parks. You can feel that it, it's going to come alive, and it comes alive every day, and that story is out there every single day and no one can tell you where it's going to go. You don't know, and it's got everything of life. It's got sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and that's what baseball is all about. Well, that was
0: a 2001 Oakland A's for sure. Talking to Marty Lurie, nice enough to join us on <laughs> KBR tonight. So, so Marty, with the, the rule changes, I, I feel like we're going to see a different game this year. You're going to see high averages. Juan Soto might flirt with 400. I mean, there's going to be holes on the ground uh, through the infield that we haven't seen in a while. There's going to be base hits, line drives might be back in vogue. We'll see how that plays out. You know, you have the the two-throw-over rule. You have the pitch clock. There's going to be so many different elements to the game this year that I think it's going to bring back a little more excitement to the game because, quite honestly, it's become a little bit sterile in, with the three outcomes, a walk, a home run, a strikeout. So how do you see these new rules coming into effect and in changing the game this year?
1: Well, I think the first one uh, is the pitch clock, and I've seen it down here. I've, I've seen it in the minor leagues and things like that, and it, it definitely makes a difference. There's no question. You get the ball and you throw it and you're not walking around. And just, that pace of the game picks up for the players and for the fans. The second one is the throwovers. I mean, uh, you know, look, you, you're a base stealer to, from time to time. If uh, they threw over twice, and you know they couldn't throw over a third time unless they got you. You know, there's a good chance you're going to make it, and they want to put that back into the game. The thing that may be overblown a little bit, and that is that uh, we'll see a 400 hitter or that, you know, without the shift, it's going to be so dramatically different. Look, baseball was played for 147 years without the shift and just an occasional shift on some of the players like a McCovey or Ted Williams or people like that. So you're going to see a second baseman play second. And he's going to have he's going to be Roberto Alomar, and he's going to have range. He's going to be Ryan Sandberg. He's going to be Joe Panic. whatever it is. They, got, they played, and the, the game was played with people like that at second. So we're going to see that again. And the reason why I don't think we're going to see that many big hitters change their approach is because home run hitters still drive Cadillacs, as they used to say. And uh, that's the way the game is played today. It's not taught to go station to station, to bunt, to steal, and play sort of dead ball baseball. It's played to hit doubles, triples, and hit the ball over the fence. And that's still going to be the way the best hitters are going to play. But you will find more people who will put the ball in play. But as far as the shift is concerned, I don't see it being, well, my God, there's no three infielders on the right side, so you know a left-handed hitter is going to hit 4-10. I don't see it. Because second baseman plays second base, and that's been going on for years, and why would it be any different now?
0: So home run hitters drive Cadillacs, and I ride my
1: electric scooter to work, so that <laughs> tells you how much pop I Come on, I had. isn't it still true? I mean, isn't it still true? Well,
0: th- what is true, Marty, is players chase the money. And, and if you're going to get paid for on-base percentage, you're going to get paid for OPS, you know, players are going to always chase the money. So that's why you've had so many fly balls and launch angle and exit velocity and until you start paying guys for stolen bases again until you start paying guys for high average again they're not going to chase th- they're not going to chase those things i think a guy like well, trade he's getting
1: 300 million mike trout Boy, yes. he doesn't hit singles and you know he's not right. a, he's a great st- a base stealer and look at judge look what he did and you know you look at the, the players who are out there they get you get all this attention they are the big name players and usually they can do more than just slap the ball around the infield
0: And Michael Conforto on the show last night on the Giants Hot Stove Show. And and talk about a guy that's just got it all together. He missed a year last year with the the shoulder surgery, rehabbing that. He's really hungry to get back out there, so he sat at home all year in Scottsdale last year and rehabbed that thing. And I got to see him play on the East Coast a lot. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy, Marty, I don't think a lot of Giants fans have, have been exposed to, that if he's healthy, he might be your favorite player this year. How much have you got a chance to see Michael Conforto play over the
1: years? Only on TV. And uh, I, I, if he walked in the room, I couldn't even tell you who he was. Um, so I'm going to have to watch him in spring training, and hopefully he's going to ease into it, and you'll be able to see the skills on the field. And that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. But uh, when he had his years with the Mets, he was, he was a force, and he was a, a major part of what the Mets were doing in those days. So I'm looking forward to seeing him, and that's part of the story as to how it's going to turn out. You know, the one thing you said, Uh, if he's healthy, if he's that, and if he's that. I I never like all the if factors. Right. You know, if a team's got 20 if factors, it's trouble. You know, you want to know basically what a guy's going to give you. And I think that's the one thing about the Giants. They have a lot of ifs. Now, if they all come together, we have 107 wins or 97 again. If they don't, it's a struggle. So that if factor for me is maybe the biggest thing I look at going into spring training because you want to see if people are healthy.
0: Well, what's the one thing you're looking for from this ball club this year? What's the one thing that Marty Lurie is just going to really lock in It's super curious to see as the season unfolds?
1: Defense uh, and, and playing good baseball in the outfield. Uh, when balls are hitting the outfield, the throws are to the right base, not overthrowing the cutoff man, which we saw a lot. Outfield defense, uh, the infield defense being able to turn double plays when, when they're supposed to turn them. Uh, play at first base is going to be very important. So for me, it's still pitching and defense. Now, I think they've got the pitching. They've got a lot of pitching. And the way they, they go through the lineup two times, maybe three, but maybe two times, and they're going to have 25 relievers, you know, by the end of the season. I think the pitching's going to be okay. It's a question, can they catch the ball? Because the defense last year really hurt them. So that's the one thing I'm looking forward to. Hopefully we'll be better.
0: Well, back in the day, I mean, you had to hit the fastball to get out of the minor leagues. That was the number one thing. But if you couldn't catch the ball, you didn't have a place in the National you League. Know, you know. And you barely had a place in the American League. And you couldn't you couldn't graduate from A-ball to double-A or advance from double-A AA to AAA or get to the big leagues from triple-A unless you caught the baseball So this whole thing, like to hear people talk about it, we saw it last year. There was a lot of defensive deficiencies. But the fact that we're saying if they catch the baseball, they're going to be a lot better this year, to me that should be a given at the big leagues. The the, the routine play should be the routine play. And last year it was anything but routine.
1: Well, you didn't have the defenders last year. You had, And that's part of the problem going into spring training now. You know, at third base you have a couple of players who are, you know, are new third baseman or utility players. You got utility players playing first base. You know, Lamont Wade's got, you know, what, forty games maybe in his life at first base. That worries me on the corners. And then of course you you end up with uh, Estrada who I think will be fine. And Crawford I think is fine. So the infield though on the corners you gotta worry about, but the outfield FP, the throws were really not good. And there are too many balls. So we're not going to see Jock Peterson in the outfield. That's, you know, that's a given. You don't ever want to see that again. But, you know, with Haniger and Conforto, hopefully they are going to play a lot. And with Jastrzemski out there, they're going to do better. And that's the key for me. Uh, you've got to do better defensively. And you're right. If you can't catch the ball... Maybe it could be a DH, but you're not going to see a lot of action.
0: So, Marty, before we came on, you were talking about the Hall of Fame and, and uh, it, something coming up this week. It, yeah. With all the 49er hoopla, this has gone right over my head.
1: Yeah, Tuesday, uh, the Baseball Writers Association of America will announce their results with the Hall of Fame with Josh Rawitch, the uh, president of the Hall of Fame. And you need 75% of the uh, electorate to vote for you. And they could put 10 on a ballot. And if you get 75%, you're in the Hall of Fame and the writers have voted you in. So uh, this year, uh, we'll find out on Tuesday night. And it'll be right in the middle, hopefully, of a big week for the 49ers getting ready for maybe the Eagles or the Giants. But uh, Todd Helton is in the mix. Billy Wagner is in the mix. But the leader is Scott Rowland. And uh, I'm going to ask you. I mean, you, you played against some of these people, and I want your opinion on on what you think of the three of them. Scott Rowland, the one thing I'll always remember is when he made the error at third base in the playoffs that helped the Giants, uh, you know, in that Cincinnati series. But uh, what do you think about those three?
0: Well, Marty, my take on... The Hall of Fame is simple. You it, it It's a one or a zero. You either are or you aren't. You don't get better as the years go on, and you start to, like, dissect things and, and use stats to prove that somebody's a Hall of Famer. It's just an eye test for me. You either are or you mm-hmm. aren't. So this whole thing where you get in later, and, like, I know with Barry Bonds it's different and and and, and such, but, like, the members committee and the voting, I respect it all, but to me, you're, you're either a Hall of Famer or you're not a Hall of Famer from day one when you're eligible. So, like... I faced Billy Wagner, like he was a short arm, he was short, and then he had a short arm delivery, so his 98 to 100 played up even harder than that, and I remember one time in Houston facing him with two strikes, spreading out, choking up, mm-hmm. I just I just spoiled the pitch, like it was a fastball away, it was 100, and I just flicked at it and spoiled it, it almost left the ballpark, it just missed a home run foul down the right field line, he supplied all the power, it's all I did was put the bat on it, so... I mean, he was he was tough. Scott Rowland was a, he was more of a leader, and he had the intangibles that maybe you can't quantify mm-hmm. with analytics or anything. He was a clubhouse leader. He was a team leader. He, I'll tell you what, as an opponent, he was scary. Like, I, I just was scared of him. Like, when I got to third, he never said a word to you. He was super old school, kind of a John Wayne kind of yeah. character playing third base. I remember a bunting off Kurt Schilling with two outs and nobody on to try to start a two-out rally. Because he was back, and then he, he had both hands on his hips. He was looking across the infield at me. <laughs> Kurt Schilling was snapping at me at first base, and I said, "If you don't like it, play in." Because he was playing back, he gave me a free. Hit. I couldn't hit Kurt Schilling, so I don't know. I, I think he's. I think they're all really good players, and and who am I to judge those guys? Because if you're even talking about them for the Hall of Fame. That's great. I'm nowhere in the conversation ever. I was just lucky enough to get there for a couple of minutes. So my, I guess my long-winded answer is, like, you either are or you aren't. I don't get this whole thing when 10, 15, 20 years later somebody all of a sudden is.
1: Well, that, and it's a good point. It's well taken. But, you know, you have to study players and, you know, you look at their careers vis-a-vis other players. And you're right. Uh, it, it is a little drawn out from time to time. But what about Todd Helton and the Colorado factor? Uh, and the fact that he played in Colorado does that diminish him for you?
0: No, he can't choose where he plays. I mean, I mean, you got to take advantage of the ballpark that you're given. And he he was a Rocky, and he he did damage there. He was a good player. I don't know. These are all really good players. These are players that I wish I had half of their career. But I don't know about Hall of Famers. Like when I think of Hall of Famers, I think of Mickey Mantle. I think of like <laughs> the, the, the the legends of the game. Like, when you get to Cooperstown, you should be a legend. Like, somebody that your kids, kids, kids are going to talk about throughout the course of history. Not somebody that just was really good, that made a lot of money, that played really well, like, had a career that I wish I could have had. When you go to Cooperstown, I want to see legends. I want to see Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle and Pedro Martinez and guys that were just legends of the game. And these names you're mentioning, they're really freaking good players, but they're not legends.
1: Well, not everybody can be the, the big stars, uh, the legends like you talk about it. What about Jeff Kent? And you look at all the home runs he hit as a second baseman. He was a decent fielder at second, a team leader. Uh, and what kind of player uh, was Jeff Kent in your eyes? Because in my eyes, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's that good. He's, he accomplished that much. He what would have been think? in the Hall of Fame right away if he's a Hall of Famer.
0: I mean, Jeff Kent's a, a, a tremendous hitter, a good enough second baseman. But if, if you're going to, like, talk about that, then Daniel Murphy was a tremendous hitter in a good enough second baseman. So, like, where are we going? I, Jeff Kemp was a wonderful player. He was a decent teammate. He, he, he was a great hitter. He gave me tons of great hitting advice my year with the Giants. I wouldn't say he's a team leader. I, he led by example. He wasn't a rah-rah guy. No, um, but he, but, when but, he
1: went to the plate, he was, yeah, you know, he, you knew he was up there and... Yeah, he was a leader in that in that respect. But how do you deal with this, the fact that he hit more home runs as a second baseman than anyone in baseball history? But he how, do you, did, how do you get around that?
0: He was, he, he, I never looked at him as a second baseman. I look at him, that's where they put him on defense. Like I, I, I played with him at Cal his freshman year. i He beat me out at shortstop at Cal. Really? I had to transfer okay. back to Sac City College because Jeff Kent not beat me out at shortstop at Cal. And he was throwing like one out of every three balls, 14 rows up in the stands. He had no idea where it was going. Huh. And, and to his defense, he made himself into a serviceable defender, where he was actually pretty decent at one time second base, especially going to his left into right field. Uh, he could turn a double play. He would stand in there tough. He was just a tough character, man. He was like Bobby yep. Gritch kind of a player. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but, but Hall of Famer, like I know a lot of people around here think he's a Hall of Famer. His numbers are incredible. But like back to my initial point, you either okay. are or you aren't.
1: All right. Well, Leonard Coppett, uh, who is wonderful. I l- learned so much from Leonard. He's in the writer's wing of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Maybe the smartest man I've ever encountered at the ballpark. He always told me what well, you just said. He said, when you judge the Hall of Fame, you look at him and you know he's a Hall of Famer. And that's it. You know it when you look at him. And I guess that maybe that, that applies to to so many uh, that have gotten in on the first ballot or second there, ballot
0: Marty there shouldn't even be a discussion you either are or you aren't there shouldn't be a discussion and a debate and this and what about that and you're Kurt digging chilling? up you're digging what up fossils chilling? and you're dusting off the dirt and you're like look it's a dinosaur look it's a hall of famer i found him in the dirt like under you know, no it's just like it's like you are or you aren't like, so like we can sit here and talk all day, Marty. I'm up against the clock, but it, I, you know my theory, theory about the Hall of Fame. I when I go there, I want to see legends. I want to see the legends of the okay. game, like almost like the superheroes, like there's Superman and Batman and Aquaman. Wait, maybe not Aquaman, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like I want to see, I, know. I want to see legends. I like Marty okay. Lurie's voice on KMBR. I want, I want to listen. I want to listen to legends. I want to see legends. And, like, who am I to even judge whether somebody should be in the Hall of Fame? But, Marty, thanks for coming on tonight. It's great catching up with you. I can't wait to see you at FanFest in a couple of weeks, and we'll catch up. Maybe we'll go have a coffee or have a drink after. We'll see. No, I
1: hope so. Maybe we'll do a segment together. I hope so. That'd be great. All right, right, the great Marty Leary, Nice enough to join
0: us tonight on KMBR 680, the sports leader.